if there's bacon somewhere, I'll, I'm likely going to be there. So you don't need to and tell just, them. And there's more bacon at your Dutchman. Also, you're here, Jay. Thank you. You're paying for your service. <laughs> So, it takes a second to, re- to reorient. We're, we're, we're here. So, uh, it's, it's, you know, the end of the year, and I, I don't do those teachings that are sort of like, what's our New Year's resolution approach? But I do want to uh, kind of look at something that's happened in the last few months or so of, of 2017. And I, because I think it's the kind of thing that when it happens... It's easy to just uh, be caught up in it and maybe not really appreciate what's going on. And, and sometimes in these moments uh, that I'm going to describe in a second, we can really not, in, in a sense, leverage them and, and see them realize the potential that they have, uh, that, that they carry. Now, over the, I don't know how many months it's been going on, but there's been uh, a thing called Me Too. How many of you have heard of this? At least you've heard the phrase. And some of you are going, yeah, what is that? It's mostly men that are raising their hands and saying that, I'm sure. But it's without getting into it, uh, I, I just want to note it and say that it's one of those moments that happen in the course of uh, a society's life that, that can really change things or it can't change things, and it just sort of, things just kind of go back to the way that they were with slight modifications, and, and you can look back through history and see there's been lots of these moments. Uh, the, the civil rights moment was, is, is like that, and I think that we're still wrestling with that. Uh, there's been a whole question about immigration, you know, how, how do we deal with this, the whole issue of immigration, you know, as, as a country, and uh, there's, there's plenty of these moments that, in one sense, there are these moments where people seriously begin, not just a few people, but huge swaths of, of our society begin to deal with the issue, some moral issue. And the Me Too movement is one of them. I'm not going to get into that. It's just to say this, I want to make a statement about it because it's an opportunity to, to learn about something that is at the heart of what the gospel addresses. And it, it's this, that Moments of moral awakening, whether they are individual or they're societal, will never realize their potential without what I want to call, and I want to explain to you, a a threshing floor experience. Now, a threshing floor is, I'm, I'm going to read this story to you from the Gospel of Matthew. And one of this, you know, these really well-known characters in the, the New Testament, John the Baptist, talks about a threshing floor. And he's in a moment in his society that's very similar to ours. So I want to read this story to you and just make a couple of comments, but I want to focus. I want to, at the end of his story, he mentions this thing called a threshing floor. Because in the story that he's living, and why I think it's parallel with our story, is this. He's living in a story where uh, things are starting to change, but people realize it's really not going to change things. There, there's something about that that doesn't have the power to do what we hope it will do. 
And then they, they ask John the Baptist, they ask him a question, he answers it, and then he explains this thing about the threshing floor. And it's, it's not code, but it's a, it's a phrase that everyone in their culture would have understood, so it bears a little bit of explanation. But it's one of those things that when you get it, it's, it's, it, the lights go on for you. But I want to I kind of warn you. If, if the threshing floor sounds like I don't know what it is, but it sounds painful, you know. Threshing, what is threshing? You know, is that like thrashing? Not exactly, but it, it's not too far. And it's, it's, a, it's a somewhat painful thing. And I think that's why this, this threshing floor, if you, if, as a metaphor, that's why this experience is something that we sort of avoid. And we, we just wish there was some other way. But like the people in John the Baptist's day, they saw their society in trouble, and something began to awaken them that this is not the way things are supposed to be, but the power of that moment was lacking to produce real change. And so they, they saw that, and they asked the guy who was kind of stirring up the change, what should we do? You know, where do we look? And then he gave them this little explanation. So if you have a, a Bible with you or if you don't, there are paperback Bibles that look like this under the chair seat in front of you. And we're going to be reading from page uh, 713, or 712, I'm sorry, 712. And we're going, to, we're going to see this thing that John the Baptist is leading this revolution. It's this moment of, of moral clarity, and people are kind of waking up. But at a certain point, the revolution kind of starts to bog down. And then that's where John redirects, well, he doesn't redirect the revolution, but he redirects the people. Because they're looking at him, and they're going, you got, you got the answer because you got us stirred up. You, you awakened our consciences. And John says, I'm not enough. I'm not enough. Okay, so let's read this story. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar... When Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip Tetrarch of Iteria and Trachonitis and Lysanias Tetrarch of Abilene, that's in Texas, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the desert. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it's written in the book of the words of Isaiah the prophet, John was a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and rough ways smooth, and all mankind will see God's salvation. So what Isaiah was predicting, and John was like the point of the spear of, was things were about to really radically change. And he was using pictures like mountains of injustice that were going to be brought low, uh, you know, other kinds of problems that, were, that just, just seemed impossibly large would be filled up, and, and crooked roads. Uh, all these were, were common metaphors that, that meant life as we know it in different forms. We're going to change, and that, and that God was going to be, be behind it. And so... Starting at verse 7, John said to the crowds coming out to him, coming out to be baptized by him, he said, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? 
Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And don't begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Now, he said that because he's out in the desert. Okay, It's a very unusual way to lead a sort of like a moral uh, awakening. He goes out into the desert where like it's just dry and there's nothing there. But because God is working through him, what he's saying is so compelling that people leave their comfortable homes and travel out into the desert to hear what he's saying. And there are ancient historians who describe, like Roman historians and Jewish historians who de- describe John the Baptist. We don't even, there's never been anybody in American history who we could compare this guy to. He was a, he was a rock star. He was, he was a phenomena. And he, he dressed weird, he ate weird food, he, he was out in a very strange place, and, but God was working through him, and he was awakening people, okay? So, and he's, and he's not being nice and cultured and polite to him. He's like, they, they come out there, and he's like, he's like the spiritual soup Nazi. If you remember the old Seinfeld, you go to the soup place, and the guy would, you know, like, just put you down and just mistreat you. And it sounds like, gosh, what are these going out... These people going out to hear this guy just kind of dress them down and, and uh, be tough with them. And he says, uh, and, and the thing was, they had this spiritual pride about the fact that they were Jewish, that they, they had a famous you know, family heritage of all these faithful people, and that was something that they were kind of banking on, like that makes us special people. And he said, no, that doesn't get you anywhere because God is coming. He's about to step on the scene here in in amongst you guys, and you better be ready for it, because you're not. And he was calling him to repent, and, you know, we break that down, but it just means to have a change of mind. But he warned him. He says, he uses another, he, he uses all these uh, word pictures, and here's one he uses. He says, for I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So he's saying good fruit. What, he's, what they immediately understand is the way you're living doesn't cut it. God's about to show up, and you need to, you need to change. And they're like, so here's what they say. What should we do? The, the, the moral voice that John spoke with, we've never heard it, anything like it, except you know, if, if you've ever had God really speak to you profoundly and directly, you, you get a taste of it. But John drew all this diverse range of people. I mean, you can just imagine if, if sitting in our church were hedge fund managers and homeless people and seminary professors and corporate uh, bigwigs and fashion designers and musicians and artists and every kind of person you could think of who had from the highest levels of power and influence down to nobody, dirt poor people that half the people who were in the room wouldn't even speak to, that was the crowds that came to John. You think, wow, what would draw all those people together? Free lottery tickets? What what is it? No, it was God was speaking through this really weird guy, which is, you know, I take comfort in that. That maybe uh, in in my strangeness that something good will come through. I found out a long time ago, just because you're strange, it really doesn't help things. He just happened to be strange, okay? So any, any of you that like to have, you know, sort of a prophetic desire and appetite, you don't have to be strange for God to speak to you. But God did speak through John, and he was strange. Here's what he says. 
When they said, what should we do? The crowd asked, John said, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Share. Pretty good message, right? Obviously, that wasn't going on. That people who had way more than they needed just didn't care about people who had way less than they needed or, or anything about their circumstances. And so he was, this, these were representative little conversations. So Matthew or Luke, the gospel writers, wouldn't address and list every single conversation that John would have had, but there would have been dozens of these questions. So one of them was, he was saying, listen, if you have a lot, don't just keep all that in your closet when there's people who are, you know, like being exposed. Care for those people. Do something. Your neighbors. Then he said, the man, okay, the tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they said, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to because they would extort people because they had the power, the Roman army with them, and when someone came to pay their taxes, if, if the, the tax roll said you need to pay one drachma because the Roman soldiers were standing next to them, they could say, you've got to pay five drachmas whether you can afford it or not. And the soldiers would enforce it. And the you know, fear, power, all that was being abused. The tax collectors were doing that, and he said, stop doing that. You have a legitimate function, but you can't extort people beyond that. The soldiers said, and what should we do? He said, don't extort money, because they did that too, and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. The people were, okay, so all this sounds good. I mean, if, if people would have taken to heart that kind of teaching, their society would have been a better place. And I think everyone heard that. But here's, what, here's what, where the revolution starts bogging down. When, when you, good moral instruction is necessary, but it's not sufficient. In other words, someone standing up here week in and week out and telling you, you need to do this and you need to do that, and they're telling you the very best version of that moral instruction you could receive, that is necessary, but it's not sufficient. Because everyone immediately falls into the New Year's resolution syndrome, which, you know, you ponder what happened during the year, and you look back and you think, man, I've been in these self-destructive, self-defeating patterns. How can, you know, I know I just need to try harder, so I'll start trying harder in January. And you know, pick a day after you do that. The next day, for you know, some people, but maybe it's weeks down the line, you start finding yourself falling back into the same rut. Does it seem familiar? So when John the Baptist says to the people who have a closet full of tunics, and they go, you know what, I'm going to go find some one of my neighbors who needs a tunic. And they do that. And then the next day they, they do it. And then pretty soon they fall back into, you know what, I, I really, there's less tunics than I really need. You know, I need one for every day of the month. I need to go out and buy some more tunics. They go out and buy some more tunics. And they fall right back into the pattern because good moral instruction, is, it's, it's necessary, but it's not sufficient. And so these people then say to John, they were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. Because the Christ was going to come and they, the Jewish people were taught, like the prophet Ezekiel said, that, that Jesus is going to, or that the, the Messiah is going to come and he's going to give you a new heart and a new mind and a new spirit. He's going to change you from the inside out. He's not just going to give you sharper moral instruction. He will do that, but he will, he will do something more than that. He will give you some sort of moral imperative power that will enter you, and you will be able to be different. And you won't give cloaks away and just buy more. 
And you won't export, extort people and then go, go to the bar and drink and think, I really feel bad about extorting people. Do you feel bad about extorting people? Yeah, we should probably work on that. Let's, 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 have a, let's do some research. Let's fund a research study to figure out why we're doing this. You know, it's like we, we are amazing in our, in our nation at our ability to study why we do these stupid things that we do. And the bottom line is we just know no matter how well we figure out these self-destructive patterns, we don't seem to be able to change them. And that's what they were saying to John. John, you're great, but, but are you the Christ? Because kind of what you're doing sounds like what the Christ is going to do, but there's also something about what you're doing that doesn't quite, you know, it isn't like, it isn't like scratching us where we itch. We've gone down this road before. You know, we've been morally awakened, but then it's never gone anywhere, and we just fall back into the same habits. And sometimes, you know, we can feel good about feeling bad because there is a part of us that knows what's wrong, and when we finally face, you know, I shouldn't do that, it kind of feels good to come to that point that we own it, and even we start telling people, gosh, I wish I could, i, I got to stop eating the way I'm eating. i got to stop, you know, using money the way I'm using it, whatever it is that at that moment, the way you talk to people, the way you treat people. There's something, when you have that moment of moral clarity, it does feel good. But unless something else happens, you will fall back into the old habits. It's inevitable. So John says this. This is where John's wise. This is why I want to launch in exploring this for a second with, with everyone here. We're in this moment as a country. And, and, and oftentimes it happens that these Me Too moments are moments to eat for us even if we're not the kind of people who treat people that way or even people who've been treated that way. There is something going on that's a work of God in the middle of this. Now, you may, you know, you want to make, you may take issue with me and think, I don't know if this is God, the whole Me Too thing. I think it is. But I think God's doing something bigger than that. But it won't get bigger, and this moment will fade unless we get what they're talking about here. So John says to their question, are you the Christ? And he says, no. I baptize you with water for repentance, but one more powerful than I will come. And the book of Matthew says, the coming one, that's the, one of the titles of the Messiah, the coming one, says he's, he is way, whatever, whatever, however you've been awed and wowed by me, this one that's coming is the one you're looking for. Because I can just baptize you in water, and that's a really powerful thing, but he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So all of a sudden, he's taking them out of powerful moral instruction and inspiration to something on another level. And he says the Holy Spirit, who has been reserved for just a few people is now going to be all of you are going to experience them. And whatever your life is like, because of Jewish history, they knew when the Holy Spirit came on someone's life, that person changed. They went from ordinary to extraordinary. And all through the, the, the birth narratives of Jesus that we explore around Christmas, one of the themes is, with God, all things are possible. And John is picking up on that theme. Now, this is years after the birth narratives of Jesus. And so he says, uh, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So he's saying there's going to be some purification and refining. 
that see, moral instruction can't purify.